0: Welcome to the Universal Dancer Podcast with your host Leslie Zare, author of The Alchemy of Dance and the Alchemia Remedies. Coming to you live from Cairo, Egypt, the ancient land of Chem. Journey with us to explore sacred dance, the sacred arts, the mystical and the magical. Join a community of like-minded souls seeking to understand the cosmic dance of co-creation through the sacred arts. Come along and expand your mind, ignite your creativity, and explore something new and something old. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. For those who are joining live, please let us know where you're joining from. And please like and subscribe, that helps other people find or it gets mentioned on YouTube. So I think we're going to just jump right in and I'm going to introduce you to my guest. My guest on this episode is Yaakov darling Chen. Yaakov has been studying and practicing shamanism all his life when he was twenty-one he was hit by lightning and through this began a three-decade long journey of initiation he has been recognized as a practising shaman by elder shamans from the samai european tradition and the achuar and sapara peoples of the amazon together with his wife susanna he is the co-creator of movement medicine a contemporary and dynamic shamanic practice designed to support people from all walks of life to be who they are and give what they've got yakov's work comes straight from the heart he inspires people often with great humor to remember who they are he is the best-selling author of jaguar in the body butterfly in the heart and creator of shaman song shamanic journeys to empower inspire and reconnect and the co-author of movement medicine how to dance awaken and live your dreams his newest book shaman invoking power purpose and presence at the core of who you are was published by hay house in spring twenty twenty let's welcome yakov to the show welcome welcome to the show
1: Thank you, Leslie, and uh, warm welcome to all your guests. What a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Yes, thank you for joining us. I know you're you're in the middle of a training, but I appreciate you taking the time to to speak to us today. So More than welcome. Let's just go back to the beginning. <laughs> Begin at the beginning. So um, in your book, you describe how you first encountered the dance. Or, or found the dance floor and, and the magic on the dance floor. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about how it all began for you.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I have to be honest about that, that um, I found the dance floor by accident. It wasn't. Uh, I wasn't looking for it. In fact, uh, it would be more true to say that uh, if I'd have really known I was going to a dance event, I probably wouldn't have gone. I was really interested in the shamanic practice, universal shamanic practice from around the world, which was the first understanding of human beings and our place in the cosmos and the web of life here on earth that had made any sense of my own experiences. And a friend of mine had told me about a a woman called Gabrielle Roth, who was running a workshop in London and i just i read it i managed to ignore all the things about dance because um it was focused on creativity art and shamanism and that was the thing that got me as it happens my wife also found the workshop through a different source and we both booked without knowing the other one had booked and we showed up at this workshop and i remember It was at a place called the East West Centre in London in 1988, all the way back then. And, you know, I was the kind of person, to be really honest, who only danced at weddings and only then to one track and only then if I really had to. I wasn't keen. And when I arrived in this dojo, Um, in the east west center in old street in london and i saw about 20 people in yoga leotards all stretching and doing their beautiful things and i was like oh dear what what am i doing here I, i think maybe i misread the 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 information i must be in the wrong place am i going to have to spend three days here and then i remember there was a song playing by a woman called Tony Childs, in which at some point she sings the power. And as she sang that, I I was seeing, I, my eyes had locked onto a rather tall svelte woman in a long black leather coat with long black hair and dark sunglasses. And she'd kind of waltzed into the room, very dynamic, very charismatic. And she walked right up to me and just lifted up her glasses and as Tony Childs sang the power, Gabrielle sang those words at me and really at me. the power <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, what am I doing?" <laughs> I was terrified, but I have to tell you that within about half an hour after we'd sat down, and Gabrielle started to talk about her work, which was um." her beautiful gift to the world she was a, an amazing pioneer an extraordinary woman her work the five rhythms she introduced the work and then she got us up and she we did the first meditation which was body parts and within 20 minutes what i discovered and I, i'm sure any of your dancers or people who are listening who who um had any similar kind of experience of being self-conscious will recognize this, that within a few minutes, Gabrielle had managed to seduce, and I don't mean sexually, I just mean she'd managed to get hold of my attention and guide me, to guide that attention away from what I was thinking about. Like, am I doing it right? Is this the right move? Maybe I should be faster or slower or smaller or bigger or um, all of this internal dialogue away from there and into this intelligence in the body that seemed to have its own way of moving, breathing, and responding to the rhythm. And within 20 minutes, I'd lost all fear of the dance. And I was amazed by the level of creativity that was in this body, not in my head, but in the body and in the rhythm and in the breath. And I knew then that I'd found my work. And that was, well, it's a long time ago, too long to think about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think what you're saying is so important because when we think about conscious dance or sacred dance, I think a lot of people are intimidated because they think they have to be a dancer. So uh, this is why I love your story because you you didn't go in looking for dance, but I think you you found the magic of the dance or the or the power of the dance. So she said to you before <laughs> before yes, you began yes. that yes. there is this power and and to tap into that intelligence that the body has is, is amazing. I don't think that, and again, it's not, um, at least for me, it's not, uh, it is dance, but in a way it's a whole different thing. So it's, you know, maybe, and, and it's more than movement. I mean, it is movement, but it's hard to really put it in words, I think,
1: Yes, I think the way I might describe that, I, you know, absolutely, I understand. It's not dance in the way of performance or dance in the way of doing somebody else's moves, learning somebody else's choreography, um, or like performative, like look at me or don't look at me. It's, it's, it's much more to do with the intelligence of life itself. And one of the things that Gabrielle, often used to repeat was listen guys there's only one difference between a living body and a dead body and that difference is movement therefore life is movement and if you can give your physical body back to that intelligence that is life that's beating the heart that's circulating the blood that's replacing the cells that's been around for 14 billion years in billions of different forms, if you can give your attention to that and trust your body to that and to a greater power that's represented by rhythm and breath and let yourself be moved, then it really doesn't take much to shift away from self-consciousness to being concerned about what other people might think about me or trying to get it right or whatever that internal dialogue presents into a quieter space in terms of mental activity but a much more active place in terms of in terms of kinesthetic and emotional intelligence like the the intelligence that's in the body already
0: someone some wise person not me said uh that dance was our first religion and i think Mm. that that's true that that to to realize that that that's probably been the progression of dance is that it actually started as a spiritual activity and then later on became a performance so and and perhaps lost a lot of that uh spirituality but um Mm but I don't think it's the other way around. I guess we're rediscovering that aspect of it, but um, I do think I, yeah. inherent in dance is this spirituality.
1: I, I think that's abs- absolutely true. It's not that we are so much going back to something that we did, but we are evolving. So uh, my own sense of, of that is that our process as human beings, as a species, has been one of extraordinary evolution, not all of it um, happy, of course, but (laughs) extraordinary evolution towards this place where we are now um, at this point where in order to continue to evolve, to move past the many different crises that we face as a species, as part of this biosphere, we need to integrate ancient wisdom with modern wisdom our, our friends in the amazon the Achiwa people who you mentioned in the in the introduction and the zappara people who we have many many friends and family there we even have a godson who lives out in the forest and um that they, they talk a lot about in order for us to really evolve through this time that we're living through we need to integrate the what we used to know with what we are discovering now so you know our work is very much uh, a fusion of ancient and contemporary knowledge and wisdom practice from systems theory to constellations to psychotherapy to trauma awareness of um how the body is such a a mirror of our condition and you know the intelligence of the body is different than the intelligence of the spirit but they're both enhanced by connection and that was Gabrielle's brilliance. she brought the body back into spiritual practice in in our worlds and when I when I say our world I'm talking about the industrialized world Mm -hmm. she really brought it back in like no it's not that spirit is somewhere over there and divine and high and pure and like like ballet away from the ground. The ballet came out of that aristocratic wish to be above the peasants and the smell and the mess of humanity, to be above that. And beautiful as that art form is and strong as it is, um, it's a particular story of how to control the body, to lift ourselves up towards spirit rather than Gabrielle's invitation was, no, 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 you, you're here on this earth, you're here for better or worse, for a a shorter, a long time, to embody your spirit, to bring your spirit, your sacred sense of what your real divine purpose is on this earth, yours, your individual, and then to find the people who you can join that together with dance together and um so that we can support one another to to be who we are and give that gift and this is all about making that bridge between the spirit the spirit our more eternal intelligence and the temporal passing intelligence of the body excuse me
0: but i think that's also where we begin i mean children children dance like we we started there and then somehow i guess they're probably closer to that non-material world than than we are maybe their their connection hasn't been broken but um but if we could just maintain that i think
1: mm.
0: that would be a good place to start
1: <laughs> uh, well i mean absolutely children are they're natural dancers aren't they they're natural feelers they know how to move through the weathers of their heart very very quickly and uh, again nevertheless very quickly that we we socialize our children out of that fluidity we train them we limit their expression but um you know it's not that it's not that our connection with spirit is broken in my understanding, I would say that our attention—we've learned to focus our attention in a place where spirit isn't—and we've gotten actually,
0: distracted. Maybe,
1: yeah. Th- that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, distraction is the disease of the modern world, and um, it's—we are—it's very hard to maintain focus, and especially for the younger people who have brought up in this kind of very fast changing world of small screens and lots of thumb movement and but but it's very important to recognize for all of us that our our connection to spirit is is very strong it's alive and well we in we in fact we call it the unbroken and the unbroken is it's within us it's it's within that intelligence of the heartbeat it's within the the body's intelligence know knows how to heal, how to how to mend, how to replace, how to rejuvenate, how to nourish, how to rest. That intelligence is much more connected to the intelligence of earth. It's slower and more dense than the intelligence of spirit. And that's something those you know those of us who are i was really fascinated with spirit as a child i was you know my dream world was far more real to me than my waking life and i was much more at home in the the freedom of being out of a body in my dreams and being up in the stars than i was with the what i found very confusing um, uh, messages i was getting growing up like People saying one thing but clearly meaning something else, and um, you know, children are very. we're, We're all very sensitive. We human beings, we are. We live inside deeply sensitive instruments, and so we need to remember how to use that sensitivity rather than to be overwhelmed by it, which is sometimes the case.
0: Well, hopefully, that's what we're moving towards. I think. We grew up in a very different time. So it's it's interesting. I don't when I talk to people and I explain things like like what you just said about when you were younger and, and having those those other worlds, now I think it's more common that people would understand that. But back in the 60s and 70s, no one was talking about these things. So it was it was, you know, you didn't want to because you would be perceived as <laughs> as oh not okay, probably. Yes. Oh my, yes, so, yes. Yeah, it was a different time. Yes, <laughs> it was. So finally, yeah. finally, we're getting to that place. I do so believe you're us- right. <laughs> I hope. I hope. <laughs> so, so, please tell us how you came from your your original dance experience then to creating movement medicine. Which is the modality that that you teach?
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much. I, you know that that's been a a joint journey with my wife. We've been together thirty five years. Um, we met when we were kids, like in our early twenties we went to gabrielle's workshop together we apprenticed to her for 18 years we were traveling and studying with other shamanic practices throughout that time um, susanna also was studying systems theory and um, family constellations there was a, a lot of input that we'd had from indigenous people and wisdom traditions in the west and a lot of ceremony and ritual and prayer and remembering you know i i was given actually by my therapist um, a native american beautiful sacred pipe from the lakota tradition which uh, is somewhat it's a it's a difficult thing to be given something from a tradition that's not yours and i when i received that i i knew immediately that i was being loaned something from something that didn't belong to me, and that at some point I would hand it back. But I felt like with that pipe, I remembered how to pray in a genuine way. And when I say pray, I mean really be in dialogue, direct experience of connection with a greater power than myself, whether it be the the sun, the mountain, a sense of the eternal, whatever names we might have for that. So there was a lot of study and a lot of work. And then I'd also, in the early, the late 1980s, I'd been working with a a half Cherokee, half Irish, extraordinary being. Um, And working with her, I'd had an experience of, a very unpleasant, terrifying experience, to be honest, of, Um, remembering what it was like to die in the concentration camps in Auschwitz. And, you know, I don't like, you know, I understand these are difficult things to talk about. But I experienced that and I made a promise to this medicine woman that I would go to Auschwitz and I would dance for the children that had died there. And it took me really 13 years of uh, preparation to feel that I had the inner resources to be able to go there and do something useful, rather than just go there and be overwhelmed by the place. And I went there with a group of German psychotherapists, and we went during the day. It was more like a museum. And I went back at night, and I paid the Polish guards to unlock the gates of Berkanow, and in the middle of the night. I went there and I danced for those children and it was a very moving powerful prayer and um, both for me personally but also my experience was for those spirits that hadn't been able to move on from that situation I made a connection and I you know I went to bed that night thinking thank god that's done you know, and I can let that go now and I can get on with my life but that night i had a dream very powerful dream it went on for a long time and in that dream i was in auschwitz in the camp but there was a festival happening it was a music festival there were workshops there were people from palestine from israel germans polish people people from um, um, cambodia many places where there'd been um all kinds of genocide and human suffering. And it was a festival of workshops and everywhere there was this symbol. I kept seeing it and I kept asking people in the dream, what's this symbol, what is this? And it was a phoenix with the four directions and um, nine circles at the top and five circles at the bottom, very specific. And they said, well, this is your dream. This is the Phoenix Festival, and this is your work. And the Phoenix Festival celebrates every human being's ability to rise from the ashes of their suffering and tell a new story. And so I received that dream. I got an artist to draw that mandala. And at the same time, very similar, Susanna, my wife, had a dream. Where she was commanded, it was it wasn't a dialogue. It was being told instructions. It was instruction. You know, Your work <laughs> is called movement medicine, like yeah. that. And then we put these two things together, and it took us three years. We were in the Amazon with this mandala, and we were told that the mandala contained all the teachings of the work that we would be bringing into the world. And it took us three years to decode that and to understand it and get to a place where we could feel that we were able to offer it and at that point we as it happens it had been 18 years of apprenticeship with gabrielle and 18 is a good time to leave home and you know on the spiritual level with gabrielle we had a very deep clear understanding that that was the right thing to do on the personality level it didn't quite work out as peacefully as that and there was a lot of misunderstanding and um like a a difficult divorce um when we left home so to speak and um that was one of the the it was a very sad moment for us because we loved Gabrielle we were totally devoted to her and her work and we had no it wasn't our plan to leave Um, um but it was very clear for all of us that that was the right thing and that was in 2007 we'd already been teaching for um 20 years and we'd ran her school in europe etc so movement medicine which is based in this mandala which has 21 gateways and the mandala is a story um, and we invite our dancers to step into the center of that story where the phoenix is and the phoenix is made up of the yin and the yang and the dance between them, the life-death-rebirth cycle. We invite people to step right into the center of that mandala and discover in that landscape their relationship to each one of those gateways. And each gateway provides us with an ongoing inquiry, like what's my relationship with my body? How am I with my emotional intelligence, with my heart? How do I how am I aware of the story that my mind is telling and how much am I training my mind to pay attention to what I want to connect to and so on. There are 21 gateways there and it's very profound and we are very much its students as well as its founders. (laughs)
0: And how do how is this done? Is it is do you do it as a workshop or there are levels or how is it presented?
1: Well, we we have um we have everything from you know really short introductions. We now have a um, you know my wife is super sensitive and um, connected. She gets very good advice, and um, so several years ago she was being told very clearly. Um, listen guys it's time to stay home and connect global stay local connect global and so we were planning for um april 2020 um the launch of our online portal which is called the movement medicine study hub or 21 gratitudes and that that is a literally it's a, a study hub a community of people from all around the world who are studying this practice and that is everything from a one hour live class once a month to a 15 minute mini embodiment practice. And each month we focus on one of those gateways. We also run online ceremonies, um, they're called Tribal Heart, to map the turning of the year. And that's our online work. We also are running a lot of courses, self-study and also live workshops online alongside that we have our um work in the room that we're now just coming back to the face-to-face work and that that is everything from evening introductions to you know the flagship event of our our work every year is called the summer long dance which is um a six-day gathering which involves a 72-hour ceremony where people fast and we pray, we dance for 20 hours a day, not the whole time. And there is time for rest and to go at your own pace. And and that's a giveaway. Nobody earns any money for that. It's a fundraising project. It's so far raised more than half a million pounds for uh, the Amazon and many, many um, incredible projects around the world. And that, that happens in the summer. Alongside that, we've we're just completing our seventh generation of apprenticeships. And um, we're just right now in the middle of our fifth professional training. So it's it's kind of a busy, busy time in our lives. <laughs> and uh, well, that's great. we love our work. We love yeah. our work. We're very privileged.
0: <laughs> no, and it sounds wonderful that I'm all for taking time to allow things to unfold. I think to just you know, try to to pack it all into a weekend or something is you're never going to find much depth with that. So if you have an ongoing thing, I think that's, that's wonderful. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, part of the thing about setting up the online work was to provide um, a bridge between the intensity of being in the room for a weekend with being at home in your day-to-day life. And of course, the the time of the last two and a half years of most many people needing to stay home, having to stay home, has really helped us to learn new skills. Like how, like right now, through this medium, we, we can connect. You're in Cairo. I'm here in Devon in the southwest and not an, not an air mile in sight. It's extraordinary. It's, this is, you know, sign of our brilliant cr- human creativity that here we are the beneficiaries of our this these brilliant minds that we have and brilliant um problem solvers that we are so uh but the the skills that we've been learning are how to be in the intimacy of your own home like i'm here in our little studio in the garden and there you are in in your place and the people listening in their place you can be at home your family is around whatever it, whoever you're living with your work what and you can have an intense experience that goes for 20 minutes like a morning meditation and then get back on with your life which is wonderfully integrative and integration is is one of the things which we believe really sets movement medicine um I wouldn't say a part because every pathway has its its specific, unique medicine and is, you know, very important part of the, the picture. And, but it's one of the things that we're very hot on. We, you know, we, one of the questions we were asking when we were decoding our mandala was, so of all the things we've studied and all the transformation that we've been blessed with in our lives and the healing that we've experienced and not all of which was easy and joyful some of it was really tough and difficult times um of all of that what are the very specific things that have actually helped us and that that was the question that we that led us into this three-year meditation of decoding this mandala and you know we didn't just take our own word for it we went and spoke to many people people who we'd never met but who had you know strong reputation for their intellectual intelligence or their spiritual intelligence or their emotional intelligence and we brought our work to them and discussed it with them and asked them to challenge us and to say well you know what do you mean by this or what do you mean by that you know that's so um, it took a long time and a lot of effort and. it's, I think, like anything living, it's still an evolution and hopefully always will be, you know, the the people that we're training, Gabrielle used to talk about us as each one of us is like a fine wine, you know, and the, you, you stay in the dark in the bottle for a while until it's your time to be poured, to give your gifts, to share your medicine. Um, I believe the same, that uh, the people that we're training, we're running this, training right now about 10 meters over there susanna is (laughs) working with a group from the middle east to the west coast of america to right up in the north of finland to right down in south africa in a township in south africa um people who are training each one of them has their own brilliance their own really specific gift that we're inviting them to know that and to let that be the channel through which their movement medicine offering comes.
0: And I think going back to your, um, the evolution of movement medicine and and coming out of the five rhythms, I think it's important to take something like five rhythms or or whatever it is you're, you're using and pass it through yourself. And, and you need to find a way to make it your own. I don't think we can just teach what somebody else did, because you spent three years decoding this process, and it means something to you, and, and you lived with it, and you interacted with it, and you created something, and then you interact with the other person. And again, it, it changes and evolves. It may mm. be contains the character of whatever it was, wherever it started. But I think to truly be in integrity with what you're teaching, you have to also acknowledge that you are not the person who taught you, you are somebody else that has your, your own experience. And so maybe it has the bones of something else, but it's definitely going to be, which I think is what's important about the whole healing process is that we go to the person that we need to go to. We find that person to teach us, and it may be homeopathy, it may be aromatherapy, but you're gonna find that person that speaks to you. So it's important to, to allow that to unfold within yourself into how your own uniqueness.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely, I, it's lovely to hear you talk about that and to have the feeling of what I'm hearing you talk about is um, human development. So that we go through different stages of development and part of that, you know, as children, we imitate, we copy. And we we learn through imitating, and then in our puberty and adolescence, we're like, let's smash everything to pieces, and you know, we're going to live forever, and we know how the world works, and we know what needs to change, and, and um, you know, <laughs> I remember um, somebody shared a card, a greeting card with us for your eighteen-year-old children, you know, leave home now whilst you still whilst you still know everything. And and, 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 and um, I, you know that that there's that part of our human development, and then then we go into adulthood, which is really the work, the like putting the effort in to build the structures. If family is our thing, it's time for that. Certainly, our work, our our engagement with the material world to make sure we are self-standing, and then maturity is is that is the time of the real unique medicine that your journey has forged through your experience being shared and then you know if we're lucky to live long enough maybe we we become elders and you know we can sit back and let the next generation evolve whatever we have done and um you know maybe occasionally they come to us for a a little bit of Support. Let's hope so. And, and um, uh, yeah, so I think that human. development- That's when they
0: get older and they realize.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that we that's when they...
0: do. We do actually do know something. Life experience it, teaches you a lot. Uh-huh. It really does. I,
1: I, and they, you know, it's so beautiful. The other thing I heard in what you're talking about is the the dance of life, which is fluidity and structure. And so the question always we we're asking is are the structures that we're offering liberating or imprisoning and you know like the body can be an imprisoning structure if it's full of memory and tension and you know we don't we haven't found the way to release to let it go or it can be really a liberating structure through which we experience the sacredness the spark the creativity of life and there's a certain amount of choice in that and you know, evolution is is like the like a wheel. the The bit in the center is the bit that holds the tradition, like the things that don't change, the things that stay steady, like gravity. You know, <laughs> thank goodness, <laughs> gravity is not is not fluid. It just it's pretty constant, at least so far. Um, (laughs) i was
0: going (laughs) to say (laughs) until now
1: (laughs) until now (laughs) yes but you know this this is like the the center of the wheel and then around the outside you have the evolution the new and it's the relationship between that that which doesn't change and that which is change that creates a steady evolution like a a creative evolution rather than one that's just purely destructive and overwhelming
0: but I think that's the point that we're at too is is that integration of opposites to realize that we can hold two opposing things at the same time and yeah. and I'm, I suppose that's also reflected in our brains now we understand that that both sides of the brain are important and that we need to use both sides of the brain and and to find a way to integrate both of yes. those aspects
1: very important yes absolutely that so that you know I, I think about ken wilder the great philosopher who who talks about rationality being much closer to spit to genuine mystical experience than um a kind of childlike feeling of oneness that you know like before we've individuated and often there's a lot of people i think go into spiritual practice with that um, childlike innocent naivety of we're all one and before they've actually done the work of individuating and the process of individuating also is the process of um exploring the consensual reality our rationality our that ability to exist and to communicate in the world with one another and through that there is a a gateway to something more trans rational like genuine mystical experience and you know so i in our work we're very clear about working with not just the body and but also with the heart but not just the body and the heart but also the mind because we kept finding um, that this was one of our real challenges on our journey was we'd have these wonderful ecstatic experiences and we'd be free. We'd be, you know, with with our wings outstretched and with the angels and in the ecstatic surrender to the bigness of the universe. And how wonderful. And then beautiful. And then we'd come back and our little pea brain was still talking to us about how we're not good enough, how we need to push, how we need to do this, how we need to do that and nothing really changed. And we we suddenly, it, it dawned upon us that the reason that things weren't changing is because we were not updating our sense of self. We were not working with the story that we tell and how we construct our perception through that story. And that became a very important part of our work to, to really through the dance, to train the mind to listen, and rather than to be closed, to be open to what it doesn't know, uh, rather than closed and fixed on what it thinks it does know. Uh, That's become a very important part of our work, and yeah, thank goodness, because if we don't update the story we're telling about who we are, then um, nature abhors a vacuum, and as much as you empty out in the dance all that stuff will just you know like doing the doing the garden you get your spade out in the spring and you you dig and you clear out the weeds from the winter and and then if you do nothing and come back in three four weeks all the stuff that you dug out has grown back you have to you have to choose what to plant and that's that's the intentionality of practice and The intentionality of knowing purpose, et cetera, et cetera.
0: But I think this also comes back to a point that you made previously about being online, is that that a spiritual practice is a daily practice. It's something it's again, it's not a workshop that you go to in the weekend and then you become enlightened. It needs some kind of a daily, you need to build those new pathways. So I do think that doing things online where you can for 20 minutes a day, do some kind of a practice. This is how change happens. I think it happens slowly. and, And as you said, then you can integrate it into reality and into your real life. Okay. You do your 20 minutes, then you go into the real world. And how how does that feel? What happens? And then you come back Mm -hmm. the next day and you do 20 minutes and then, and Mm -hmm. you keep doing that. And, and I think that's how you loosen things up and, and you begin to create these new pathways, these new ways of thinking or being. But, um, I think that's, I personally think that's a really important point that you have some kind of a practice that, that is daily or even if it's not every day, that it's a continual thing, that it it doesn't end. And I think those of us who have been doing spiritual practices for a very long time realize there is no end. You never get to the end of it. You just, you keep going deeper. But I think that's really exciting. For me, that's the exciting part is that, okay, I've learned something. Now I can go deeper and then I can go deeper and I can go deeper. And it's exciting that it never ends because it isn't, you know, a certificate that we get at the end of something and we're done and we go on to do something else. It's, it's a real process. And like you said, an evolution, I think.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree with you that, you know, for me, my, if I didn't have my practice time, I've always made sure that um, that was number one priority at the beginning of the day. And you know we have a we have very strong practice. We get up early in the morning. We have our little tea ceremony, share our dreams, then we do our breathing exercises and our movement medicine. Then we go and get in a cold lake and stand still for three minutes and feel the cold. And um, you know, on the way we feed the chickens. And, <laughs> and um, the, this is our, how we start the day. And it's 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 a refuge. It's a, t- a place to remember. It's a place to. Um, water those seeds that we find um, through our through our work, through our journeys, and absolutely so important and very lovely to feel in your words. It's, it's not even in the words that you're saying, but I have a sense listening to you of, of those years, decades of committed practice that that give a sense of ground to know what it is you're sharing with people. And it's, you know, what you're saying about it never ends. I, I remember having a vision of, um, I'd been in a, a room in a house and I loved the room. And then I found the door out of the room and I saw there were all these other rooms in the house and to explore. So I started exploring all these other rooms and each one of them was a, a mystery with all kinds of different art and different ideas and different teachings and different um pieces from the past and and then then i discovered the front door and i stepped out of the house and i saw that the house was in a landscape and in the far distance were these mountains and i started walking towards the the mountain i could see and i walked for several years until i got to the top of that mountain and i was like ah i'm here at the top of the mountain and that step that i got the last step up onto the mountain I saw that I was on the smallest mountain of a range of mountains that went on <laughs> apparently for infinity. And I was like, oh. That's yes. what I mean. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Uh-huh. That's, That's it the is. perfect description. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep.
0: <yeah. laughs> but I think also what you described your your daily routine or practice or however you want to put it it's a lifestyle and and i really had hoped that the last 2 years because everything was turned upside down that people would realize that that that's life you know having these routines or or as you said being able to go online and do 20 minutes with other people that that's life like that's to me that i have my practices but that's my life and then yes. the work that i do maybe on the computer or whatever is is a piece that comes at some point in the day but i think people forgot how to live they don't realize that this is what life is 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 going for a walk feeding the the chickens i mean this mm-hmm. is in my opinion what what we're supposed to be doing as human beings not spending all this time working or, or, uh, working for someone else or whatever. But I think people forgot that. And I had really hoped, especially if people were working from home, that they would realize that, okay, you can integrate your work into your day and it doesn't have to be the only focus but that life is oh. you know going on or yeah. or should be going on around everything else around the work
1: or whatever it is, else you're doing well i i think you're absolutely right and i you know we've if we've learned one thing by the extraordinary amount of wealth that we've created in in this world which we of course have taken from the wealth of this earth and uh, you know the the how you know of course there's still more than a billion people who live below the poverty line and we we shouldn't forget that but nevertheless the level of um let's say having more than we need has massively increased to the level that you know those under that line has dropped by 20 percent in the last 10 years which is extraordinary still there's way too many under that line but nevertheless what we're discovering is and there's been a lot of research which i find very interesting that shows us that beyond the safety of a roof over our head um some change in our pocket or um some food to eat some clothes on our back beyond the basics of survival there is no correlation between having more stuff more material well and human happiness. And, you know, that perhaps the happiest, most um, fulfilled people I've ever met. Well, I took our son to um, meet a Bedouin family in the Sinai Desert um, once upon a time, and they, you know, the kids were, like, had nothing. They had the clothes on their back and a kind of rag tent and a couple of goats, and they were in the desert with their family. They had nothing. and. My son was eight years, our son, I should say, was eight years old. And he said to me at one point, it's like, wow, you know, these kids, they're entertained the whole day. They're never bored for a second. They've got no PlayStation, no Xbox, no mobile phone. And they are they seem to be really engaged with each other and with the family. And um, and then the Atua and the Zappa are people in the forest who are considered by the often by the ecuadorian government to be poor people who you know really need to be saved couldn't be further from the truth they are super wealthy because they live in the knowledge that the forest is their mama and provides everything it's their their clothes store their medicine cabinet their food store it provides everything and all they need is to learn those skills and there's more than enough for them to live good lives and they do you know the actually people they get up at 4 a.m in the morning in the dark drink tea have a little purge that's how they keep their guts clean they drink a particular tea it's called huayusa it's very tasty Uh, it doesn't it's not a mind-altering tea it's it's um it's quite high in caffeine so it makes you quite bright um it's full of antioxidants but it also makes if you drink a lot of it quickly It will make you purge. And it's not like, oh, I feel sick. It's an easy thing. It's really, really simple. And it cleans out the guts. And then they share their dreams. And then from their dreams, they decide how to, what to do that day. And what's so interesting um, is that most of the work that they do, unless they're going hunting, most of the work is done by seven o'clock in the morning. And then they have the rest of the day to live and to enjoy life, to actually be in life, which is so different than how we've set up life in the modern world. And I so agree with you about the prayer. I think, you know, that maybe these past two years have shown a lot of people what they've been missing. And there's no doubt that there's, you know, there's quite a lot of people rushing back to how it used to be. But there's a lot of people who aren't, who are kind of going, You know, I'm never going back. I I can say the same for me. I was traveling, I was doing 20 trips a year. I'm never going back to that. I'll do three or four if I'm lucky. And my wife, absolutely the same. The Living in one place, actually learning to be in a place to look after land and be looked after by that land. It's uh, planting trees under which we know full well we will never sit ourselves this kind of activity, this is what gives human beings satisfaction, purpose, fulfillment, meaning, a sense of soul, a sense of belonging. And that's so key, it's again, what we are engendering, bringing as a very important aspect of our work is the recognition that everybody, has something unique to offer and so there's a place in the circle for you whatever your experience is well you know you whatever you've come from, whatever trauma you've been through or kind of relatively okay kind of existence, whatever people, whoever your people are, you know we all have so much to learn from one another and that sense of Susanna often says, we we create community where um you're not having to conform to belong and at the same time you can be an individual without falling into individualism so that as maladoma somme the beautiful dagara medicine man from west africa who died recently was often talking about that the the real relationship between individual and community is mutually upholding so that the the community is strengthened by the success of the individual and the health of the individual and the health and success of the individual strengthens the community and it's a mutually supportive relationship and this is something that i think again we are in the process of evolving
0: We've strayed, but hopefully we're on the path back to realizing how important these things are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I would say we are. It's not that we, I, I, you know, I, like, for instance, I, this is a, We have very interesting discussions about this at home about like the story, like the Garden of Eden, that we were in a, a paradise and we got thrown out of paradise and we need to find our way back there. To me, that doesn't make sense. My sense is that actually we're evolving um, what paradise can mean on earth. We are We are moving towards that. We are developing our capacity to imagine um, what we can be as a species that is a benevolent presence as, as part of this biosphere rather than you know, a, a scourge on it. <laughs> and we we you know we have the technology we have the imagination we just need um a little bit more strength and an individual and collective power to bring that about because it's one thing that you know we we we're very passionate about is if you want to make a difference in this world you have to develop your power it, like you can't make power bad and then just give it away to all the people who couldn't give to whatever's about how they use that power because they just take it and do what they want to do so people who want to create um a little more justice or a little more benevolence kindness uh consciousness we need to grow our power to be able to bring that about and to uplift one another to do that
0: yes and clearly when when we lose our way the universe steps in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're going to stay home now and think about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah absolutely you're going to find stay a new home. way to live yeah yeah
1: absolutely totally right <laughs> totally right
0: <laughs> well thank Amazing. you thank you for for being here and 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 speaking to us and um tell us about any up and coming events that you have
1: oh thank you so much well actually my the next event that um we're preparing for is something called encounter which is based on the last book i wrote which is called shaman which is an invocation of this really down-to-earth but inspired um human archetype inner archetype the inner shaman and encounter is a three-part series part one is available as a self-study course and then part two is beginning on May the 12th. And we're offering that as a, a really special bundle at the moment. So you can do part one and then hop into part two. There's not so many places left on that, but it is there. And you can find that at, um, if you go to 21gratitudes.com, that's the middle of those three websites. And l- click on courses and workshops, you'll find that there. Encounter. If you want to try something a little, um, a little shorter than on the 29th of april we have our next tribal heart which is a an online ceremony, global ceremonial event last time we had many people from the ukraine and russia coming in to join us to lift up a, pe- a prayer for peace there and we'll do the same again and it's a three-hour ceremony to celebrate beltane which is the celebration of our creative sexual powers human beings it's not about sex You won't be asked to be naked or to uh, engage in some kind of weird whatever that might be. It's really about the power of creativity within you. And as the spring comes, engaging that through your dance and turning it towards your dreams for yourself and your loved ones and for this community of life that we belong to.
0: That sounds wonderful. And, and let me just, the websites are schoolofmovementmedicine.com and 21, the numbers to 121gratitudes.com and darlinghan.com. Those are the websites. You also have Instagram at Shaman Yaakov and Facebook Yakov and Susanna D.K. So you can find you can find Yaakov in many places. Well, thank <laughs> you, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your your course that you're teaching now to to speak to us. So well, thank, thank you for you being too.
1: here. I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and uh, what I sense is that you know the. The long time, the long worked for maturity and wisdom that I sense in you, and the calm. And uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be with you and with your with your guests. So uh, maybe we'll meet again sometime. Thank you.
0: Inshallah. All right. Inshallah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. All right. Well, that was that was very enjoyable for me. I hope you <laughs> you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I just want to, again, encourage you to like and subscribe so that when there's a new video, you'll you'll be alerted. Next month, my guest is Karen Kernady, and she's the author of Our Love Affair with Dance. And that will live stream on the 8th of May at 4 p.m. Universal Time. So please, if you would like to join, to comment, ask questions then uh, please be with us live. All right. Well, again, thank you for being here. And I hope that we will see you again. Thank you. Bye-bye.